Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm joined by the one and only Tim McAuliffe of Sportsnet, who hosts Sportsnet uh, Central for, uh, obviously, I said Sportsnet about four times now, so I'll, I will stop here. Um, thanks so much, Tim, for taking the time and coming on. I'm obviously a huge fan of yours. I, I love Tim and Sid for so long before it was on uh, national t- television, so I do really appreciate you taking the time and, and coming on. Uh, anytime. I uh, you got a couple of nice co-signs along the way, uh, which is always nice for uh, when you're going on to a podcast and you might not know who you're talking to. But I also have seen the work along the way and I'm a big Canadian basketball fan. So I've mm-hmm. seen you. You put in the time and the work and uh, always willing to uh, to jump on with someone who does the work. Well, I, I really uh, appreciate that. And I mean, you've you've covered you uh, sports and um basketball in this country for longer than maybe I've been alive so I do <laughs> I do appreciate you taking the time and doing this and, and how old to, are you Alex I I will uh, I don't want to make you feel old. I am 25 yes I have been covering basketball for longer than you've been yeah. alive yeah and <laughs> <laughs> it scares the bleep out of me but we can just move on quickly all right? it, it's okay I always think I'm Shay's age so that that's kind of my barometer of yeah. kind of when he ages out then I'll uh, I'll feel different but I want to ask you a little bit about your career and I know you you know grew up in a big sports ho- household just talk about your love of sports and and kind of kind of how that's kind of guided you to where you are today yeah so oftentimes not as much anymore but when I was young I would say before I you know introduced myself as I introduced myself I would say I'm the youngest of four boys in a sporting family. And hopefully that was like the caveat that everyone knew. Like one, this guy can take a punch. Uh, (laughs) Two, he's been around uh, uh, way too many dudes in his life and is very comfortable. Uh, One bathroom, four boys, things like that. (laughs) When I went to university, I didn't realize that everyone didn't live that way. Um, so it kind of it kind of guided a lot of my life being the youngest of four boys in a sporting house. My dad played um, some hockey, played at uh, St. Yeah. Mike's, which is a real uh, kind of um, factory. They basically played with Dave Keon and Frank Mahovlich and your dad's dad might know who those guys are. I know who that is. Don't, yeah, they're, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. They're pretty good players. Uh, Jerry Cheevers. So we all kind of grew up. We just played everything. He wasn't like, a, you got to play hockey guy. He was like, play sports, have fun. Uh, and if you want to take it seriously, I'm here for you kind of guy. And so all of us did kind of sort of uh, choose one to take seriously, whether it was football or hockey. I was the guy who um, wasn't really good at any of them. And I kept searching. So I tried basketball. I tried baseball. I, tried, I was a the uh, the number two BMX racer for my age. <laughs> <laughs> I was the most success I had was probably BMX racing. And then when I realized that I couldn't turn pro till I was 16, I said, what am I doing here? That's <laughs> another four years away. So I kind of tried everything. And that's kind of why I feel like this business was made for me because I did. I played volleyball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I tried every possible sport that I could get my hands on and kind of had fun with it the, the entire way. So that's kind of the baseline of, where I was and why I'm here. Well, uh, I'm going to choose some violence right now because what, Tim, what is your favorite sport? You can't make me ask. I will fight you. That is, you're choosing <laughs> violence is right. I can't, I honestly, like. Is it spectrums or is it like. Yeah, I was trying to think of how it changes, but it never really changes. I get excited. Like you'll get bored, you know, 70 games into an NHL season or an NBA season, you're like, all right, let's get to the playoffs. And then if 
you know, March Madness rolls around and all stuff. Oh, okay, now we're, you know, and then the Masters starts. And you're like, all oh, right, like I like golf too, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like it just, it's kind of like whatever I get tired of, I will replace with something that I thoroughly love. But I like, even when I go on vacations and stuff, like my wife will laugh at me. I'm like, can we go see like Dominican Summer League or Winter League here? Like, <laughs> can we go like... You know, I'd yeah. love to go watch sumo wrestling, like stuff like that. My wife just wow. laughs, you know, like we were in Italy and there were like, I don't know, it looked like 18 year old kids playing, maybe younger than that, 16 year old kids playing soccer on a tiny field. And I sat and watched with a coffee in my hand oh and my, my wife's like, <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, this is how you grow it. This is where it comes from. Don't you understand that? And she's yeah. like, let's go, you know, <laughs> so, so that's just kind of the guy. I just love sports. And, I, and if you made me choose, I don't know if I could, but it was like predominantly in the house, basketball, hockey, football. Mm -hmm. um, I also played lacrosse too. That, okay. That, oh, that's wow. Sport. Yeah. That, that, uh, a lot of cross checks, a lot, a lot of cross yeah. checks. I played two years up in lacrosse because it matched up with one of my brother's practices. Okay. And like it was the practice before my brother. <laughs> and I just got the absolute bleep kicked out of me for a year and a half before I just said no mas. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, as you know, you, you've had such an incredible career, but just, I, I know you started kind of in an interesting way. Uh, at school just talk a little bit about your career journey um yeah. I, I know you went to carlton my uh kind of my alma mater as well but just talk a little bit about your your career journey um i think you started at a radio station writing traffic yeah. that's what i that's what the little <laughs> birdie on the street said yeah, very good very good that was uh so in in high school i realized i wasn't a good enough athlete and i wanted to stay close to sports uh, i knew i wouldn't play at a, at a certain level so i figured out um let's try and find another way. And I thought I would be a camera person. Like I thought that would be amazing. Being a camera person at live events would be awesome. You get to go into the live events, you get to watch them. Um, that was going to be me. And then I got a, um, the co-op. I, I think every high school student should have to do a co-op, like honestly. Huh. And I, I didn't, I did a summer school co-op so that I could get a spare mm. in my, yep. what was then grade 13 year. And I thought I was really smart. Like, and I went to a radio station, CJZ in Toronto, uh, which is easy rock, uh, <laughs> easy listening, yeah. uh, yacht rock for uh, for now people that are my age. And uh, <laughs> and and they just didn't really have a sports department. They didn't really. So I they had a traffic department and I would write the traffic reports and I they would let me do sports reports, just write them out. And then if they had time in their news updates, they would use them. And for the first like, you know, week, they wouldn't use them at all. And then like, you know, a couple of people like, oh, these are pretty good. You should you should ex explore this. I'm going to. And then they started reading them on air. And it was kind of like a high, like to know that what I had written was going on air, even at CJZ Easy Rock. Uh, <laughs> and I kind of got hooked there. And I was like, OK, let me try and, you know, see where I could pursue that. And uh, so there were two programs that were kind of sort of close in my area one was ryerson now yep. tmu and the other one was carlton and uh, uh ryerson's radio and tv did not let me in uh mm. carlton's journalism did which like i don't understand like it was supposed to be carlton journalism then ryerson yeah and it didn't get into that and i went to journalism at carlton so i ended up in ottawa i had family in ottawa still oh. have family in ottawa um, so I figured, you know, why not take the journey and go out? Um, the why not was because I wasn't ready to go to university. 
and I didn't do so well, but, uh, so that's where it all kind of started. And then I was, um, CKCU was also uh, mm. one of the stops along the way, which is Carlton's university, yeah. uh, radio station. There was a guy named Olu Saul who was kind enough to just again, say, Hey, you want to just write some sports stuff? And then I would give it to him and then he's like, Hey, do you want to do it? Um, sure. When I'm not here, do you want to host the show? Sure. Yeah, that would be awesome. And it just kind of built up like that. So it, it all kind of started with just uh, happenstance. I was trying to get a spare in grade 13 where I could have a longer lunch or sleep in a little longer. <laughs> so talk a little bit, because I know you went, you, I, I'm pr- pretty sure you didn't finish Carlton, but you went to the score um, and intern there. And, and you know, there's some pretty noticeable, notice, uh, notable people that uh, yeah. joined you alongside <laughs> at, uh, at the score. One of them, Cabby, who obviously I interviewed, but just... Talk about that experience and, and you can name the others that were alongside you and what that experience was like just getting into yeah. your foot in the door. Yeah. So at the score, um, my first intern day, I walked into an area where uh, kind of the interns stand and there's usually there was usually like three or four interns and the guy waiting for me was Sid Sixero. Wow. And the guy around the corner writing script that had like the first paid job was Cabral Richards. And the other guy was Adnan Verk, who's now <laughs> at uh, uh, MLB Network, uh, does stuff with the NHL Network, has been on ESPN. So there was like uh, Ryan Payton, there was a, uh, James Sobalski was just getting uh-huh. his job, another Ottawa guy, um, just getting his foot in the door. Um, there were a lot of like good young talent kind of just um, cruising along in the halls at the score because the score did this thing where um, – they they hired people who wanted to be there right yeah. like it was just it was it's crazy now like you got to have i feel like you got to have you know an in or schooling or like i called cole called you know i want to say like 10 to 15 different places before mm-hmm. the score kind of became something and none of them would take me like oh we only take people from carlton or we only take people from ryerson or have you graduated we only take people with this mark and i'm like None of those things apply to me. I'm just a dude. <laughs> I was working at Bell Mobility, but it was uh, what a great place to walk in the doors of looking back now to have something like the score where it was just a bunch of people who really loved sports, who were trying to make TV, even though at times it was bleeping awful. Talk about, because I, I know you have an interesting story about just how you got kind of your foot in the door at the score as well, just in terms of reading was it NFL highlights? I think that's or something like that. You were yeah. Just, just talk about that because I thought that was an interesting kind of story. The uh, so the progression happens where you know you go into archives and you you log information for everyone else to use and um. So at, at one point they trusted me with oh, okay this guy knows his NFL stuff. Why don't you um do something with the NFL? So I pitched I'll do NFL previews each and every week. So I'll write a preview for every game and, you know, about a 30 second chunk and someone can read it and I will cut them together with the clips that I have pulled uh, from NFL films at the time. So they looked really sharp because it was all NFL films and not not, not my <laughs> own stuff. Um, and so long story short, I was giving them to a guy to read who was our voice guy at the score at the time. And he's like, yeah, the big voice who walks around. And says, hey, you're listening to Easy Rock 97.3. And so I would hand him my scripts every, and he didn't know football. And so literally I would have to sit in the 
in the studio with him or the recording studio with him and correct his pronunciation on all the players. And it was the editors who turned to like the bosses and were like, like we have to recut this all the time because he doesn't know the name. Just let Tim do it. Like let. And so then guys started helping me put together a bit of a demo reel. And then finally my boss relented and was like, just read them. Like, I don't want to hear from these editors anymore. Just you can read them. And that was kind of my first foray on the on air. Uh, I know you obviously we, we talked about just before about your love of kind of OUA or OUA CIS. I think it's U Sports now, but um, just that the, there's always different acronyms. Yeah, and names, but, so, um, I was trying to rationalize the position. I get it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But just talk about I know you did a lot of calls of, I think, volleyball, basketball, um, you know, men's women's everything just talk about what that was like for you and and maybe what do you think makes a good play-by-play announcer in your mind Tim? that's an amazing question i did i did everything that uh, the score had basically so it was basketball volleyball football mainly um and i absolutely loved the play-by-play it was the closest thing that i got to the to the high of playing because you're mm-hmm. constantly adjusting to you know like if i'm doing central it's pretty much laid out how it's going to go uh tim and sid slash tim and friends not a lot of that was laid out <laughs> um so there's a bit of a rush there but when you're doing a live event anything can happen yeah you have to be prepared for anything um you have to be ready for anything and it was just such a, a fun thing to do and to watch these kids um kind of at a level that I knew that I couldn't get to. There was still a little bit of reverence from me mm-hmm. where like I was this failed athlete watching. Like I probably could have played CIS U sports football, but I would have been like a special teamer running through walls for people. So I had this like reverence, like these are really good athletes. And as I got to know all of it a lot more, I kind of became passionate about how good an athlete this was. There were guys going from U sports to, uh, the NFL, never mind the CFL. There were guys that I did that ended up playing NFL downs. And if you pulled the average Canadian at the time, even now, people will say, ah, oh, like an American high school would beat them. And I'm like, y- you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, absolutely yeah. no idea what you're talking about. These are like 320 pound O linemen. Like, they would just run down their throat. So I had this appreciation. And for me, um, it was always I'd like this uh this book where I'd write things down. I have several books where I write things down, but um sight, sound, smells. Mm. Give me a feel of what it's like to be at this game while providing the information that every play by play person does. Like yeah. I think Bob Cole in my mind is one of the greatest play by play announcers of all time because you got a sense of the game Hmm. and the excitement of the game by the way his voice brought it to you like you you felt like you were in the game like if you were sitting with your friends you just wanted to know who had the puck and you know like the excitement would rise and fall um the anticipation i think is a huge part of Mm -hmm. play-by-play understanding when you might be seeing a big play which is why tony romo made such an impact when he first started because he was calling out seeing recognizing the plays and i think bob cole was so good at that where he understood the flow of the game he was an athlete himself so he understood the flow of the game and knew when to come up and when to come down 
And, you know, like there's people that the broadcast networks feel are really good, um, that are really smooth. Um, guys like Joe Buck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who might not get that excited. And and for me, that's like, I understand why he's not doing it because he's doing a national event. There are baseball guys that do that too. Bob Costas, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Yeah. Who don't get excited with the play because they're worried that they'll be considered well, biased. No, no. I just think of his call of Jordan. Right. Like in, yeah. in 98, where he sets the scene, like when you talk about the sites, it's yeah. like with everything on the line for numbers, like he kind of gets right. the moment. And I just yeah. think of that about that a little bit about um, costs. Is, is, was that something that you kind of almost worked on in terms of? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And yeah, how, yeah, how, yeah. how was like, how did you work on that? Was it like thinking about like, I think, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's like um, the one thing that, people would keep tuning in. You can't expect people to watch the entire game. Right. Yeah. So at first I would just be like, well, everyone's watching. It's fine. Uh, but then I realized, Oh, if, if you're just tuning in, if you're just flicked over in this commercial break, this reset here, as we get back into play, you know, um, things like if it's the last play of the game and you realize like, the importance like you're just describing about jordan right like lay it out a little bit like under like explain to someone who may have never been watching this why this means so much or what the and and that's something that i definitely think is lost in a lot of guys who are just trying to make a tiktok or a highlight reel or you can hear the guys and girls out there who know that their voice will be used in in promos yeah. and in highlights. And, you know, they're just getting excited for that reason. Yeah. Um, I think there's like a build in a game. And then if you've ever been to a game, you know there is. Yeah. And sometimes that falls flat on its face because a team just buries the other team or someone doesn't show up or a star player matchup doesn't work out that way. But when it does, it can be absolutely glorious. Well, um, I I always I, I found this uh, a really great um, call of yours that I you you talked about with Aaron. And I just want you to like kind of relitigate this. Is that <laughs> not not sure anyone lost here? We just ran out of time. How do you feel about that? How do you feel that that uh, call aged for you? Uh, yeah, I um. So that's that's been written down in my book for a long time as the preparation to if you have that amazing game. Yeah. Um, and at the university level, I think it's a little bit different where at the pro level, someone always loses yeah. um, that I, I wouldn't I don't think I would use that line at the at the pro level. But at the university level, um, I used it in Western and Queens in the Yates Cup. And it was one of those games that I'm describing where everything the two leading passers in the history of U sports slash CIS slash CIAU uh, history. Yeah. You had, they were at the time, I want to say they were the top two teams in the country, but they might not have been like everything laid out for this to be a great game. And it, if you can watch it back, if you'd have the patience to watch that, but it was an unbelievable game. Went back and forth. Both quarterbacks were great. Uh, it was Michael Falds and, and Danny Brannigan. And Michael Falds uh, was playing on a completely torn knee. And it was just, it was an unbelievable game. And at the end, Queens wins. They rush the field. It's a scene that you would see in the United States, not necessarily Canada. And at the end, I said, uh, 
I'm not sure anyone lost here. We just ran out of time. And it was a last second heave. And it was, yeah. if we had gone another play. So I, I, I don't hate the call, but okay. I understand if you were Greg Marshall, who's the head coach at Western or Michael Falls or any of the other guys who lined up in that game, you might turn to me and go, actually, Tim, I lost. <laughs> we did, we did yeah. not play for the Vanier Cup that year. I hope, I hope, and, and maybe this will happen in like 15 years or mm. 20 years. One of those guys will come and say, you know what? You were right. Nobody lost. Uh, like that uh, was a crazy game. We gave it our all. Um, but you know, football players, they one yeah. missed play, one may, I could have done this and we would have done that. I could have done this. And, but if you were just watching it, the magnificence of that struggle was awesome. Well, um, I want to transition as best as I can from that to just you working alongside um, Sid uh, Sixero for so long. Just talk a little bit about, obviously, you talked about working together at um, the score, but talk about maybe that origin story of you guys, you know, having the show and then it becoming a nationally, uh, you know, broadcasted show. Just talk, walk us through that and maybe a bit of your relationship with Sid as well. So back in the score uh, days, we would do um, highlight packs that were recorded overnight. And you would just, um, there were no faces. It was just voices. And eventually those two interns that met in the hallway kind of became friends and both got into the spot where we were voicing those highlights. And there were other guys in there like Adnan Verk. Um, there were guys like um, James Sabalski. And it became like a contest. Who could come up with the best highlights in a night? And we would compete. And I always chuckled at Sid's highlights and, he would always come in and go, oh, man, you really killed it on the Jays. Or you really that like we would have the most fun on like, you know, uh, the twins and the Royals. Right. Like where <laughs> yeah. there wasn't a lot of expectation on those highlights. So you could have a little bit of fun. Um, and so we kind of got this mutual respect. And then I was getting some reps uh, with Greg Sansoni at the time, Martin Geyer on the on the desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there was one time where they put Sid and I together. And there was just kind of a good chemistry almost immediately. Yeah. Like you could almost feel it. We were both kind of raised uh, in and around watching kind of ridiculous any sport on planet Earth, which is what he would do too. And we would make these like obscure references that only the other guy would get. But, you know, it was funny and you'd laugh and people seemed to enjoy the the funny uh, back and mm-hmm. forth. And then, so they kept putting us together, you know, whenever there was like an opening or someone was sick, it would be like, all right, Tim and Sid, let's put Tim and Sid together. Let's put Tim and Sid together. So finally, um, we got kind of this regular shift together. And it was just like, you could feel the chemistry immediately. And like people around the building could feel the chemistry, like behind the scenes could feel the chemistry immediately. And so that's, that's really how it started. It was just a couple shifts here and there. And then uh, they started putting us together. And then eventually they gave us kind of the marquee show at the score which was called score tonight and and what was that like that transition from the score to like Sportsnet to having your own like just explain a little bit more about that and maybe what are the the, the challenges in having a you know a daily sports show that feeds not only toronto but the whole country right so uh they canceled score tonight uh <laughs> yeah and uh sid and i were just kind of looking around and we, i said do you want to do a podcast and literally he said to me like what's a podcast yeah. Like it was in the early days of podcasting. I said, well, it's just you get a microphone, you sit around and you shoot the bleep and and you have conversations. And he's like, Argh. 
and literally we he he did not think anyone was listening at all yeah. and we just had real conversations and it was awesome it was fun and we added donovan bennett to the mix yep. um one of the guys that i did play by play on while he was playing at western um we had a bunch of different guys rob pizzo who's now at cbc mm-hmm. um there's a bunch of different people who kind of jumped in and around it and and people started listening and it eventually became the number one podcast in canada and um so people started noticing uh we looked at syndicating it and then uh the score was in this process of being sold we didn't know it at the time to sportsnet sportsnet came sniffing and we decided just to make the jump to to radio because we knew the score was going nowhere at that point. And then six months later, they were sold to sports. <laughs> so uh, that's the origin. We we ended up, uh, you know, working together. At first, it was local radio, which was really easy. We were both Toronto guys. Uh, and then it morphed into national TV and radio. And having worked at the score and, you know, and the years I had done play-by-play across the country. I used to work for the Hamilton Tire Cats as well. Mm-hmm. I did the play-by-play for the Tire Cats, and I traveled the country. You know, I understood that there was this feeling outside of Toronto that it was the Toronto Sports Network, and it was – so there was – I had a real sense of, like, you can't always put Toronto first, even though it's the biggest market in the country. Like, you have to service – the rest of Canada hates Toronto – because when they tune into yeah. these stations, it was 20 minutes of the Leafs and Jays and everything else. Um, landscapes kind of changed now. You know, there's no more Montreal Expos. There's no more uh, Vancouver Grizzlies. So those kind of two teams can be almost national teams. Yeah. Uh, and I think the Jays have become a great example of what you can do that. But so we we really had to work at making sure that, you know, we were servicing Calgary and Edmonton and Ottawa and Vancouver. Um, once we went national and it kind of changed the dynamic of the show a little bit from just like these two Toronto guys going crazy to making sure that you service everyone. What's the process like for you, like behind the scenes when it's, you know, a Tuesday night in March and there's, you know, 10 NHL games on the docket and NBA game spring training. And then you have to somehow synthesize it all into a show and and like how much sports are you watching? Is it, Like, are you taking notes and up till 1 p.m. on the late? Like, just yeah, yeah, no, you're you're I would usually do like a little uh, spec sheet of all that's out there. So, like, every night I'd like write, you know, five in the NBA, eight in the NHL, uh, if there's spring training going, whatever else there were, and I'd list them all on like a little note and then kind of think of storylines for each. And then it's always to me, like, what are people talking about? Like, what, what is the, if you were going to go to a bar in Vancouver, if you're going to go, if you're going to go meet your your favorite sports friends, what would they be talking about that day, that night? And that was always kind of how. So I'd start with here's everything, and then move yeah. on to like who's who's what are people talking about? And then sometimes there's things that just pop up that if people knew about, they would be talking about, right? Yeah. And that yeah. was like I was always one of the things that Sid and I kind of before the days of the internet made 
uh, a real impact on was finding stuff that no one else had ever seen. Now everyone's seen everything. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no <laughs> chance, but we really kind of leaned into like, we're going to get foreign language calls of great soccer goals or, yeah. um, you know, yeah. Or foreign yeah. language calls baseball where, you know, people hadn't really heard the Spanish announcers back in the day. And we kind of really leaned into that. And that was real like, yeah, okay. Are- here's here's everything that's happening tonight here's what everyone's talking about and here's what you should be talking about so it ended up kind of going into those three kind of silos and trying to figure out how to mold all that together i always love when you guys brought in like the this you know guatemalan and it's like go 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 like that all i love that (laughs) stuff in in the soccer context um i just before i'm gonna ask you a a couple questions about sports because you know that's yeah let's do that make your bread and butter but i just want to give you kind of the floor like what's it like now hosting sports at central does that take you back to the score days a little bit for you and yeah yeah without a doubt it's fun to uh to jump back in i actually really enjoy doing highlights um i think it's uh it should be fun i think you know i'm I'm not trying to be too jokey out there but i think it should be fun because uh sports are fun and so uh i get to you know kind of get back into the the swing of highlights and and trying to make them and find the things that people haven't seen um, the little things that they may not have noticed in the games. And uh, it's been a ton of fun. So being back in that, writing down everything that's going on tonight, figuring out where it needs to go and all that stuff, that that's t- a ton of fun for me. Well, I, I've, I've been really enjoying it. And uh, I hope uh, the Leafs or obviously the Jays didn't go very far, but uh, the Leafs do well. And then I can see you doing it after they, uh, you know, third round of the playoffs and, and deep in. Um, so uh, <laughs> I just pray for a Canadian team, period. Yeah, no, God, uh, it's here, been too long. Here in Ottawa, I, I think the Sens might take a little run for it, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh-huh. We'll see. They've looked, they've looked good so far. Um, yeah. I have a question and it's a bit different because you are someone that knows so many sports, but um, I always ask people if it, they're basketball, hockey, football, xyz um if they were the commissioner of that sport what rule would they change on their first decree do you have like a sport a rule change that you really feel passionate about and it can be hockey baseball football basketball anything even soccer you can touch into to that a, a little bit as well yeah i i think we should uh it's funny because i never would have thought until you said soccer i wouldn't even gone there but i think i think we should card divers on instant replay hmm just go back into the game and say, and I don't even mind if you do this in hockey too or basketball. I think basketball does do it with the flopping. They'll go I back know. to kind of, yeah, go to a review. But I think in soccer, it's so egregious sometimes and you can change a game on a flop that if it's obvious, play the video in the stadium and walk over and give the guy a yellow card for flopping. What are your thoughts on VAR? Because that is like one of the most hot topic. <laughs> we're we're here. I have to. When when you get it right, it's good. Yeah. If, if you if you screw, it's supposed to be that you're not supposed to screw it up. But in the last little while, we've seen it screw. NHL has used it incorrectly too. Uh, the NFL and CFL for a while used it incorrectly when they're doing like pass interference mm. and you're taking too long and stopping the game. Like the NHL going back and you know measuring whether or not a skate blade lifted off a blue line. Like that's ridiculous that's not what it's meant for it's meant for i think baseball does it pretty well where you know bang bang play yeah could be tough 
uh, down the line. Is that fair or foul? Is that a home run? Like those are things that all strike. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know about ball strike. I'm a, I'm anti robot. You are. I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure they're yeah. doing it in minor leagues. I've, I've yeah. Heard. So that I, I want to ask you because um, <laughs> I found the whole topic of John Schneider and analytics. Where do you stand on the Blue Jays? How what? Obviously, it didn't work out in their favor um, taking out Barrios in the third inning. But how 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 kind of would you balance the two of analytics versus maybe more the eye test and the rhythm of the game uh, in in baseball, but also in sport in general? Yeah, I think there's a real um, that will be the billion dollar question moving forward. Is obviously the analytics give you insight. Um, but I think the you know all the leagues have to figure out a way to balance what are the analytics versus what's happening in real time in front of you. And anyone who's ever played any sport at any time knows that at some point the numbers completely go out the window. That's just the way it is. You can try and forecast, you can try and predict, but if the analytics work that much, then people would be absolute billionaires betting on these games because they could just throw it into a system and figure out who's going to win. And there are people who have done it well, but there aren't many of them. So, like, I think this is, like, here's the deal with the Jays. It was obviously a mistake. The idea behind the mistake was pretty solid analysis. It was get the left-handed bats out of the lineup, and then later you will reap the rewards of having the left-handed bats out of the lineup. Now, doing it at that time was a mistake, but you would ask a hundred of the Jays fans who think that John Schneider or whoever was responsible for that to be fired. And then you could ask those same hundred Jays fans, would you take Kevin Cash as his replacement, who is the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays? And most of them say, yeah, that's a great replacement. And Kevin Cash did that with Blake Snell in the World Series. Yeah, exact same thing, right? Like it's, there are there is a lot we love in in this day and age to be one side or the other you are one side or the other if you're not with us you're against us but there's so much nuance that is so interesting to dive into and for me i think it was an obvious mistake i think it was rooted in a good idea and i think it was executed wrong and that's how sports is going to go moving forward how can you apply there's a coach for every basketball player on the floor. Sorry if you hear Snoop. That's my dog barking. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, you can. You, there's a coach for every player on the floor in basketball. You can't possibly apply all of that information while playing the game of basketball at a high speed with moving parts all over the place. Yeah. Can you, in a moment, grasp what rotation is best suited against this team and that shooter? And yes. Of course you can. And that helps immensely. And I think that's exactly where analytics works. But there's no possible way for the human brain to process all of the information that we're giving it right now. And I think that's why you see overloads like John Schneider in that moment overthinking it and going, okay, Kokuchi. Yeah. Do you you think it's more as much just like being preset, right? Like if you're saying the analytics, we have to do it. Because that's what I hear in your kind of argument or kind of statement is that you know, they read the room wrong, even if maybe uh, at a certain point, the room was going to, I don't know. I don't know where my analogy is going, but yeah. um, just. But since then, we've seen a ton, right? Like 
If you're watching Major League Baseball playoffs, there's been a ton of spots where really good pitchers have been yanked. It's worked out. And because it works out, no one says anything. When it doesn't work out and it's your team in your country, it's an entire thing. But you'll, you'll talk to a lot of baseball people. They'll put up with it. They'll put up with the here, make the mistake, just learn from it. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about the Leafs. Obviously, they haven't won the cup in a long, long time. We won't say the years, but what do you think are some of the Why reasons? Not? Well, I think it's what, what are we at? 56? Yeah, 57? Six, yeah. 67 was the year. Yeah. yeah. So that, that makes sense. But, uh, just like, do you find, do you think this might be the year just watching them early on? Did no. Okay. I don't know. I just don't know. Like oh, I've okay. seen, I think this team has been good enough in the past and they haven't been able to figure it out for whatever reason. Part of which is the the game changes in the postseason, but like if you were to ask me if they were better suited to win the cup than, um, you know, the Oilers or any of the best teams in the Colorado Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights, I, I I'm not sure they are um, until I see them in the postseason, and that's the <laughs> it's happening in the NHL and the NBA right now where the regular seasons don't mean a hell of a lot to the best teams. Um, which is why the NBA is bringing in a, a tournament in the middle of the year, which is probably another topic and, altogether. And the no rest rule or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah the, and the no rest rule, right. Which Without is, a doubt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just do you think for the Leafs specifically, because like I think last year they didn't score more than three goals in their last five or six playoff games. Is it as much just Matthews and Marner just stepping up who have notoriously not done so in the playoffs like is it as simple as that or is there special players make special plays on special days that's the uh that's the old school line and you you need your best players to be your best players without a doubt and i think that they've been caught in this like we need to help our goalies and be good defensively uh in toronto and that's part of the problem is that they haven't had good enough goaltending so in order to cover that you have to force your best offensive players to also be good defensively and when it mattered most, those offensive players were really focusing on making sure that they were good defensively and it takes away from their offensive capabilities. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of a balance that the Leafs are fighting. I think this is the exact same thing that's happening in Edmonton, though they don't um they don't seem to be stressing their forwards too much where McDavid and Drysaddle, I mean, all they need is a power play and you throw McDavid and Drysaddle and they score goals. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's like, there. there's that balance. And a lot of teams, it's either like, okay, we'll just get the good enough goalie, Andre Vasilevsky, and maybe some good enough defensemen. You can look at Petrangelo and the and the blue line in Vegas or even Hedman in Tampa helping out Vasilevsky. Like you have to have those pieces, I think to win uh, either a goalie stealing it and, or a really good defense core along with your goal scoring. And I don't think the Leafs have figured that out yet. Yeah, no, I I think you hit it definitely on the nail. I want to ask you just, I'm going to go run down a little bit of Toronto sports, but um, obviously I, I love Masai Ujiri. I felt, I think maybe uh, in my mind, he had a God complex because it sounded, it felt like everything he did was, was the right move. And now it feels maybe a bit 360 on that. How, how would you maybe evaluate um, his tenure as, as, you know, I guess he's not GM, but GM president of uh, the Toronto Raptors where it's been, it was so great. And now it's, Whatever it will be, will be a success because he won a championship because he was able to pull off uh, one of the gutsiest trades that I've ever seen in professional sports. 
and have it work. Yeah. Um, so success, well, it can't be at the top forever. And we all know that Bill Belichick is struggling right now. Um, <laughs> yep. Masai will not stay at the top. Uh, so whatever it is, is a success. Over the last little while, though, I completely understand if you're a Raptor fan and you're wondering what the hell is going on. And I have some theories. I, I I think that he was trying to give Fred Van Vliet the epitome of the culture and Nick Nurse, the coach of the team that won the championship, the ability to compete because they thought they could. I don't know if that was the right answer. And I think that's why you saw what you saw this offseason where everything changed. It was like, here's Jakob Pertl. Here's your rim protector, Nick yes. Nurse. Here's your pick and roll guy, Fred Van Vliet. If we can't make it work, it's over. I'm going to give you the respect of giving you the pieces that you want and not send everybody out and not do what probably most people think we should do, which is just start over again. I'm going to give you the pieces and it didn't work. And so you saw the off season where everybody goes and it's a restart. And for me, this season will be about how long they give Pascal Siakam. It won't be the same as they gave Fred Van Vliet and Nick nurse. I think those were like the bedrock of what their culture was. I don't think that OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, even though he was great during the championship run, will get that same kind of leeway. I think I think you might see a couple of huge deals from the Raptors this year in an effort to restart whatever is next. And I know that their interest in Damian Lillard was, can we still rebuild on the run? Their interest in Kevin Durant was, maybe we can do this, just flip the script and keep going. And yeah. none of it worked. And that superstar still hasn't said yes to Toronto and or Canada. And I think Masai is coming to that realization right now that it's probably going to be a rebuild and not, I mean, if you hold on to Ananobi, he's young enough, maybe, but Pascal is not young enough anymore. No. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think the, I think the Raptors are in a real tough spot. I think Masai and Bobby Webster are, are in the real tough spot that every franchise faces. The difference is in, say, Golden State, you've already got multiple titles, right? You're looking at the Los Angeles Lakers trying to do the same thing that the that the, the Raptors are doing. They're trying to do it with LeBron James, and they're not doing it very well either. Um, so it, it is very hard to do. And I think what you're seeing is the Raptors coming to the realization that they might not be able to do it this way. And thus, those expiring contracts will be dealt. Yeah. And a new start may come. Well, um, I hope that star is uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander whenever he's a free agent. I think it's in like four or five years. So I'm I'm praying for that. And at least the vibes seem to be way better than last year so far in preseason. It is preseason, but it does seem uh, quite more light at, at Raptors shoot-arounds these days. But um, I want to transition as best as I can. You, you, you know, I obviously covered this, uh, the Canadian men's basketball team. You're, you and Sid, and you know, uh, been big proponents of of the national teams, not just basketball, but soccer. You know, everything yeah. else. Um, do you find with Canada the men's team making the World Cup um, in in soccer, the women's team obviously winning the gold medal, both basketball teams for men and women doing great stuff. Do you see a, a kind of a a change in how? within canada people are looking at um our national teams rather than i hope it's a start 
Yeah, okay. I, I hope it's the start, and it's it hasn't happened yet. Like I, I did a uh, Canada France game, I want to say in like the early two thousands at the Air Canada Center, and there was maybe fifteen hundred people there, and there were legit players on both sides, and yeah. I was just shocked that this stadium that sells out for the Toronto Raptors couldn't get. 2000 people to a national game with real players on both sides every other country on planet earth especially in basketball like supports there's go to a game in australia it's great go to a game in europe you can pull up the video of games in europe and the idea of like luca not playing for slovenia is just it's not there like it's, it's at a different level and what I hope people, and I always said this about you sports, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, till I pass this beautiful earth that we call home that sometimes isn't so beautiful, that you make the atmosphere. Like we make the atmosphere. So if you want it to be something, just do it, right? Like there are people at car races that have no idea what's going on at the car race, but they're <laughs> having a blast, yeah. right? These cars are flying by, you're like that's that's all you got but at yeah. the Indy 500 it is one of the greatest parties you've ever been to where 80% of the people don't know what's going on yeah i'm not that guy when it comes to sports but i would love to see like before i go and i saw it in in soccer i honestly did and it was an emotional moment i went to the game where can with my son where canada um clinched the spot in the world oh, i was there too i was yeah. there too yeah and it was freezing and oh. i grew up with a bunch of soccer dudes i didn't even play soccer when i was young i only okay. started playing soccer as a men's league guy and the guys that i grew up with a couple of them went on scholarships to the states i went to a school that had some real goods and i was like videoing on my phone and sending it to them i was facetiming so that they could see what yeah. they never thought they would see and i would love to see that for basketball in yeah. this country um, I would love to see that for volleyball in this country. Men like, team just made the Olympics. Right. Yeah. Like, like it's crazy. They're and and that's a sport that people care about in a lot of different countries. And Canada can play men and women at that level. Um, so like I would love to volleyball is a great spectator sport. I would and, such a good I, it's always here in Ottawa and I go yeah. every year. It's uh for the men's. Um they have yep. the what's it called? The World League. I I, I don't have yep. the but yeah, yeah. they awesome. changed the name of the league a couple of different times. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Nation, World League was was it Nations League? Anyways, it's Nations League is soccer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it is for that too, but there's always a yeah. bunch of nations leagues. But yeah, yeah. no, it, it's a great sport, but uh no one really followed it, right? Like, and right. It's, but you watch in Poland, and like it's, it's crazy. crazy, yeah. And it's fun, and you would love to be there. And you know, like we always talk about in Canada, college sports in the U.S., like Michigan. Oh, look at the Notre Dame! Look at that! That's unbelievable. You can do it. You could do it for the CFL if you wanted. When the Red Blacks came back, it was different than when I was covering the Rough Riders, right? Like, yeah. and now it, it's back to here and the Rough Rider. Terrible, yeah. yeah. It's, it's back to Rough Rider territory. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you go but, three and fourteen every year, it's hard to <laughs> to get a lot of people there. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. But if you did get a lot of people there, they probably wouldn't go three and fourteen. Like, there's a little chicken and egg going on in mm. Canada, and everyone keeps saying it's oh, when we do this, we will show up. And what I've been saying is show up, and it will happen. Like, yeah. if if you're a Canadian basketball player, and none of your friends who are Canadian give a crap if you're playing for Canada then you're probably not going to if there's not 
you know, if there's 1,200 people in the, and you can hear your mom clapping, you're probably not going to be as enthused to play for your country. But if it's 19,000 flares and crazy, like it is for soccer now in this country, everyone's showing up and they're all like near tears in her eyes, looking up at the supporter section and going like banging that drum. Like, why can't we have that for basketball? Why can't we have that for volleyball? And I hope we do get there. Um, I just want to go on, on Canada basketball because, you know, you're, we've talked about it before. I listened to you with Donovan after they made the, I think it was made the semis um, Donovan Bennett, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose some again violence. Who would you take? Who's better for Team Canada in, in men's basketball? Steve Nash or Shea Gildas Alexander? Who would you pick? Nash in the Sydney Olympics, uh, for those who might not amazing. be of that was unbelievably good. And then um, you know, he kind of did his time and focused on the NBA. If Shea I think Shea could be better. And I think what we saw in the World Cup was Steve. I'm going to say Shea Gilgis Alexander. I'm just going to better than the two time MVP. He made, he won a medal. Yeah. He he had a better supporting cast without a doubt. But he was, in my mind, the best player in that tournament and carried the Canadians in moments where Canada in the past had tripped and fallen and smashed some teeth out along the way he yeah. did not let that happen i'm, I'm gonna say shea gilgis alexander what what do you think a moment like the olympics and and the stage and now Embiid somehow is american now going for the states which is just the biggest right, I, right. I was there with all the french reporters and they thought they were getting Embiid. but um yeah uh just what do you think a moment like that like i know a lot of people covering the team 2000 was this huge moment in their lives and um, what do you think 2024 could be for, and hopefully it looks like the women will probably make the Olympics as well for on the women's side, who's been amazing, came forth. Yeah, but consistently we'll, strong, yeah. Yeah, what do you think the Olympics um, will kind of do and maybe change the the scope of Canadian basketball? Yeah, I hope that people, it looks like the Americans, I think it's going to be LeBron's going away tournament. Um, I think there'll be a commercial for Nike, and I think that they'll try and make Paris kind of their... Uh, we are still the greatest on planet Earth. And I hope that Canadian fans aren't dismayed by that because there's still a lot of great basketball. And the the teams that that have chemistry and the teams that have played together might have a chance to knock off the Americans, but it looks like they're going to put together another dream team for this. And I hope that people – I think maybe the moment was the World Cup. Like, mm. and, and it's too bad that they didn't play for gold. And it's too bad that – because that kind of momentum – would have been crazy, but it, it's go ahead. Do you think winning the bronze medal in the state, beating the states, the U.S., and beating the bronze medal is more valuable in a way for the game in this country than winning the gold without beating the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, because so many people worship at the American altar when it comes to basketball. Uh, yeah. But I do think that there's a there's an understanding, especially in Canada, among the real hoops heads. Um, yeah. Like if we're talking hardcore, which is what's probably watching this, you already know that the Europeans have closed the gap. Like you yeah. already know that it is real good basketball being played in the Euro League. And I don't think that like just the average NBA fan understands that. 
And so when Canada goes on this run, it's really valuable. I think the hardcore hoops heads, they knew all along. They knew exactly that this American team wasn't as good and that you didn't need to worship at their altar and that they might be beatable. And they were very beatable in this tournament. And so for me, I think the hardcore hoops heads already knew what we need is instead of the 5,000 that would show up hardcore every time, I would love to see the 20,000 understand the circumstances of the world. I've heard, and and this is this was like more around the tournament, but I heard about a a home and home Canada, USA, Toronto, and I think Vegas um, before the Olympics. Like that, I think would uh, get a lot of people in the Scotiabank Arena, and that would really fill up uh, the the just would be an amazing uh, uh, spectacle. But um, I I want to I want to before I really appreciate how gracious you've been, Tim, with. With the time, I just want to let you off because I know you're a big believer in quotes. What what what's what's your favorite quote that you like to use the most um, you, with your kids or in in any kind of setting? You uh, you do you know? Yeah, I'm gonna do this. Pardon my. Uh, That's my okay. Here. Just for uh, audio listeners, uh, Tim is uh, going to retrieve something. So I have my my uh, my work bag here. I'm moving the camera. You know I have books full of quotes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have work, I have life, and I have family. Where where would you like me to where would you like me? <laughs> can, can you can you pick one of each? Is that something? Or... Uh, my favorite one for for my kids and my family is uh, our greatest glory is not never falling but in rising every time we fall. Mm, and good. I think that's applicable in sports and work in life. Uh I believe that's Confucius. Uh, I, I like I like the one I listened to it with with Aaron. Um, I think it was a perspective. It's expensive. I really like that. That that was my own. That's my own. That's your own. Okay. Well, yeah, there you yeah. Go. That's, that's my own. And I've, I've rewritten special. it. I've rewritten it a hundred different times, and it never really, it never really feels the right way. Uh, hmm. Perspective is expensive. Perspective is often expensive. Perspective doesn't always have to be expensive. I don't know how it goes. Okay. But I do know I, that perspective is expensive. Well, I'll, I'll remix it, and for for myself, will be a, a perspective is expensive. I, I like I like thinking about it that way. Yeah. But um, uh, Tim, I really appreciate you taking the time, showing us your quote books, um, <laughs> and uh, and and just coming along, uh, you know, this podcast. So I really do appreciate it. Um, love the show. Is there anything you want to plug for Sportsnet Central? Anything kind of coming uh-huh. up that you? Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I'm on in the morning. So if you, uh, if you're bored in the mornings or you need your, your highlights in 30 minutes, just flip on Sportsnet. Uh, we got you covered. We're going, you've heard of Blue Jays in 30. Uh, yeah. You've heard of uh, everything in 30. Now you get your highlights in 30 as well. And, and Perfect. your boy, Uncle Timmy will be doing it. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, uh, Tim. I really appreciate it. Have a great uh you know, not too busy uh, sports calendar coming up for you. Um, <laughs> obviously going to be uh, quite busy. So I appreciate you making the time for, for me and coming on. And uh, thanks again. Anytime. And I do uh, mean what I said off the top uh, of this thing, which is uh, I have all the time in the world for people that I see uh, working hard in the industry. And uh, from the moment I noticed and then on to the covering of the of Canada at the World Cup. Uh, I respect the grind and uh, we'll always reach, reach out for those working hard. 
Well, thank you so much. And I, I want to shout out Arash Madani because uh, he gave me a little mentorship out there. Nice. Um, so I, I appreciate uh, the, the kind words. And uh, I just want to shout out Arash because uh, also a score guy. I know, I know. Yeah, and uh, very, scary. very great guy. So um, yeah. thanks so much, Tim. Uh, have a great, uh, you know, um, year covering the, you know, all the sports everywhere for Sportsnet. And, and thanks again for everything. Thanks, Alex.